sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 141 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. Our theme for this month is startups. We have some terrific guests, including today's Dave Goldman, Chief Business Officer from Pantera, formerly FIEX, who will be delivering insights and analysis on everything around startups in the wealth tech space. If you are the CEO, CTO, COO, or other fintech executive with a software product that you're selling to RIAs, asset managers, broker dealers, or other firms, run, don't walk, to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and click the button to schedule a discovery session. Our wealth tech research team can deliver a wide range of market insights for your firm, including competitive analysis, addressable and obtainable market estimates, sales targeting, and insights on buying decisions and more. Every vendor needs this data to be successful, especially when entering new markets, and you can get on the right track by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. Now, let's kick this thing off. I'm happy to introduce our guest for this episode. It's Dave Goldman, Chief Business Officer at Pontera, formerly FIEX. Dave, welcome. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here. I'm glad you can make it. Always a pleasure to have you guys on. Uh, where are you calling in from? So I'm in our uh, New York City headquarters, right in Midtown Manhattan, just around the corner from Macy's. Excellent. I'm in New Jersey, so we're not that far apart. And we're sharing the same beautiful weather, which is nice here in April. Definitely enjoying that. Oh, man. Absolutely. I would run, run this morning. It was beautiful out. So tell us, let's, let's just jump right in. Give us the 30-second uh, the overview of Pantera, formerly FIEX. So Pantera's order management system allows advisors to view, trade, and manage their clients' 401ks, 403bs, and other held-away accounts in a secure and compliant manner without taking custody of these assets. This allows advisors to provide truly comprehensive service on all of their clients' assets, knowing that managing an entire portfolio as one can create significant benefits to their clients in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited when I heard about you guys because this is something I think the industry has needed. Uh, I was kicking myself for not thinking of it on my own, but uh, clearly you guys uh, had this idea a while ago. I mean, the, the company was founded back in 2012, right? Yeah, so I mean, great question. And, and we've been around as a company for a decade at this point. Um, we haven't always offered this order management system, though. And a big part of what we did for the preceding you know, six years led us to where we are today in enabling trading of these held away accounts. If you go, if you, you know, if you really want to give credit for this idea, the credit needs to go to the advisors that we were serving um, because really listening to them and understanding where their clients felt pain and where they felt pain is what led us to develop the platform in the way that we did. So we also can't take full credit for the idea. We really were just listening to the customers. Got to listen to the customers. They know best. I wanted to also congratulate you on your recent fundraising round, $80 million raised. That's awesome. Expecting lots of big things. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the raise really came on the heels of uh, tremendous growth and success over the last um, number of years. <clears throat> the business has grown dramatically 
over the last four years. Uh, we're hiring aggressively in New York. We have a fantastic team here and we're looking to constantly add really talented people. So um, if you're listening, you're in the New York area and you're looking for your next opportunity, a lot of that money is going to, to continue to build out the team to service our advisors. So please uh, drop us a line and we'd be happy to chat. Yeah, we do a lot of promote, promoting here. So feel free to promote. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't think of it. Right. So I, I realize why this is important, but for people listening who maybe aren't, don't understand, can you explain why this functionality, this trade, being able to trade away, uh, trade hell away assets is so important to advisors? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's important to advisors because it's important to their clients. Um, and if you really think about what happens you know, most of the country today is no longer dependent on defined benefit plans or pensions. Those have gone away. So the primary means of retirement savings are in clients 401ks and 403bs and defined contribution plans. Now, because these are held off platform for most advisors, um, it means that they're really not a part of the advisor's purview in helping their clients. There's a lot of studies. There's some that talk specifically about management of 401ks. There's a lot to talk about the value of an advisor. They both peg it to about 3% per year net of fees as the benefit that the advisor can provide to a client. When you look at that compounded over 20 years, this can be an additional 75% growth for a client up until retirement. What happens, unfortunately, is that because advisors oftentimes cannot manage these as part of an overall portfolio, um, these get defaulted, these accounts get defaulted into a fund or a number of funds when the client signs up for their 401k and doesn't get regularly reviewed and doesn't get looked at and doesn't get managed and doesn't change with the client's lifestyle and risk tolerance and existing financial situation. So they underperform the market over time. Um, and really what's important for the advisor and for the client is to make this part of the overall strategy so they can create that benefit for their client. And so their client doesn't have to worry about, you know, am I going to be okay in retirement, knowing that their trusted financial professional has been shepherding this account for them during their regular engagement. So really important for the end client to see the, the benefit of management of these accounts as part of a strategy. And of course, for advisors that are focused on serving their clients that are fiduciary uh, and that are always looking to do the right thing. That's why it's so important for them as well. It is amazing how long we've gone. I mean, this is not a new number these, this, you know, 401ks will have it being the, the primary means of retirement savings with a large chunk of uh, investors savings stored away in these plans. And we really had no way to interact with them except manually where the advisor looks at them and goes, okay, well, I don't like this holding, change it. That He's got to trust the client to go log in, find the way to do that and do the, the rebalancing themselves. Yeah, we actually see um, advisors taking two approaches on these accounts. So that's, that's a, quite a common approach, which is if you bring me your statement, when it's convenient, you know, at the end of the year or when we get together next, I can take a look at it and I can give you some recommendations. And then my hope is that you're doing something about it. That's a very reactive approach from the advisor standpoint. They're trying to help, which is nice. And we can talk about some of the compliance implications on doing that as well. Um, but it's not a full service solution, right? It's, it's a reactive approach. There are other advisors, and, and we see this quite a bit, that actually one at a time will take their client's credentials and log in and trade the accounts. Now, from the advisor's perspective, um, if they're taking all of the right steps, if they're claiming custody and they're going through surprise custody audits and they're securing client credentials, 
this is a process that we're seeing very commonly in the industry. The client wants help with the account. They're, they're basically permissioning their advisor to do this. It becomes a very cumbersome manual process for the advisor. It brings a lot of risk to the advisor from a cybersecurity element because advisors are typically not SOC 2 certified. They typically don't have chief information security officers to kind of monitor how this works. Um, and they're not built for this, right? So although it's, it's great that they're doing this to help their clients, it creates a lot of direct liability for them. Um, and what we're finding is that outsourcing the ability to kind of conduct that entire, um, the, the ability to, in, to conduct the entire security audits and InfoSec process um, and secure trading is something that they prefer to, uh, to offload to us versus figuring out and trying to do themselves. But there's policies, the SEC has um, policies and procedures in place on if you are going to take credentials and if you are going to trade these accounts, this is what you need to do. And here's how you need to um, subject yourself to surprise audits and what that looks like as well. So it's happening today at, at quite a significant scale. And those cyber issues are real. So if, if the client, if the advisor has a whole list of client logins somewhere stored in a list, that's available if, if his website or whether his, if his uh, local network gets hacked or if uh, an employee, uh, which is often the case, decides to do things on his own and go mess around. Uh, so yeah, so having, um, again, the SOC 2 certification is important um, and most advisory firms are not. So big risk there that's then offloaded to you guys. So that leads me into the next question is how has the technology evolved? So how, how has things changed on the, uh, the Pantera side from the way you used to be doing this to the way you're doing it now? Yeah, so I think we can take a step back and start in 2012 when we actually launched the company um, as FIEX, right? The original name of the company was FIEX, which is FIEX Ray. And it started out as a, um, an analysis platform. So analysis only for accounts that end clients needed more transparency um, and detail into, right? And, the, and the, the focus of the company was to help the end investor retire wealthier. Our path to do that at the time was to um, looking for different ways to improve outcomes for the individual investor. So understanding the fees they paid in their retirement accounts and understanding what else was happening in these accounts and trying to find ways to help them improve these outcomes um, by providing this additional information to them. So that started in 2012. And as we continue to involve, evolve our technology and improve our technology, we moved closer to realizing the vision of having an accurate and fast and secure way to understand these accounts. We started seeing demand from an unexpected industry participant. Instead of the, the individual, we started hearing from financial advisors, which is, um, you know, these, these analyses and this information is so critical for my client's success in retirement what else can I do with this information? And then we started getting calls from advisors telling us um, that they were logging in and going through this process to trade their clients' accounts. And we got more and more of these calls. And they said, listen, um, I'm trying to do everything I can to help my clients, but this is really cumbersome for me and I'm taking on a lot of risk. So the, the company has evolved quite a bit, starting as a fee analysis platform, serving directly the consumer, shifting to... Um, a full service advisor platform where we actually serve the consumer through the advisor now. 
and then layered on the ability for the advisors to securely manage and trade these accounts for their clients, really because of advisor demand from their client's demand. So there's a long arc in our journey, which couldn't have happened without the preceding six years of really being able to deeply understand these accounts and what goes into them and how they operate. Let's talk about how the trades get sent. So you've got connectivity directly to these 401k providers. So you avoid, you're not logging in manually with, with credentials. You've got connectivity to them. So how, how do those trades get sent at a high level to the 401k providers? So the nice thing about our platform is that we're provider agnostic, right? We've built our platform to work across uh, across providers. And this is important because advisors have clients all across the country in different plans with different providers. So everything that happens on our platform um, happens securely, creating a barrier between the advisor and the actual client's account, right? Rather than the advisor going in and logging into the account one at a time, they're just logging into Pontera as a secure intermediary. And then when an advisor is in our platform, they're using us as basically a communication layer between themselves and the client's account on behalf of the client. So clients go and actually authenticate directly into our platform, the end client, the person who actually has the account. Um, and then when the advisor's in our platform, they can't do anything else. So the advisor cannot um, do anything that would trigger custody. They can't request distributions from the account. They can't update beneficiaries. They can't change client's address. The whole purpose of the platform was to create a secure environment where advisors can communicate orders and trade, um, but not do other things that basically they shouldn't need to do and could create compliance complexities. So we sit basically as a layer on top of the financial institution's website, and we communicate orders um, when they're received by the advisor directly to the financial institution on their behalf. Nice. Um... And how are how is the data sent? So go, going on the other side, uh, how is the data sent from your system to advisors, portfolio management, and reporting tools? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and it's actually a very important part of our overall solution to advisors. So advisors, you know, spend a lot of time every day in their portfolio management systems. Um, some of our partners, Orion. Uh, Morningstar Office, Black Diamond, Panoramics. Um, we also work with Capitec and Advison. And you know, when when advisors are working within these systems, they want to see the entire picture for their client. So one of the services that we provide as part of our offering is we actually send data from our platform to all of these portfolio management, performance reporting, and billing platforms, which um, comes over as basically the same as they're receiving and ingesting custodial feeds. What this does for the advisor is it allows them to see all of their clients' assets in one place. It allows them to household. It allows them to plan holistically. And then it allows them to report and bill on these assets as a household as well. Um, so huge value to the advisor because this is how they run their day-to-day. -day. So of course, we want to integrate everywhere where advisors work. Um, we want to make sure that we're providing you know, great service to our advisors. We also go through a full QA process on the data before we send it to our partners, 
right? You, you know better than most advisors complain about data quality and data integrity day to day in their, uh, in their experiences. And we spend a tremendous amount of time and resources making sure that data goes through, make sure that it comes over clean and make sure that it's um, normalized before it hits the advisor's platform so they can use it effectively in their day to day. This also leads the clients to be able to see their accounts in one place. A lot of these firms offer client portals um, and clients want to be able to log in and see all their accounts and how they're performing. So the data also informs and helps feed those, um, those systems as well. So we do a data assessment uh, service for a lot of broker dealers to help them understand their data, uh, optimize it, understand upstream, downstream uh, sources uh, in order to prepare them better, to have a better organization stru structure of their data, make it easier to implement uh, enterprise systems. So when you said you do data QA, that I get, I get interested in that. And you say you're normalizing the data. Can you talk a little bit more about how you're doing that and, and why? Yeah, I mean, this is, it's really complex, actually. We spend a tremendous amount of our resources on data quality and data normalization. And our platform does this as well. If an advisor is looking at our platform, when they see data, it doesn't matter what the account type is or, or what the account specifically is, all the data will look the same in the same format the same way, regardless of the account or the account type. Because advisors um, shouldn't need to be data experts in order to run their day-to-day -day business, right? They need to outsource that to people like, like you and I. Um, so our teams can take care of that and, and they can worry about servicing the client. On the data feeds, it's the same thing. Um, you know, the space that we focus on, which is these held away accounts or the 401ks and 403bs have a lot of nuance to them. And we're specifically focused here we have 10 years of experience focusing here in analyzing these accounts. So even being able to understand something like a, a collective investment trust or a private fund um, and how that prices and how that's different than a traditional public fund is important as part of our QA process before we send data downstream. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is running the Invest in Others Awards which is a program that recognizes the charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. Awards are presented at their signature event, the annual Invest in Others Awards Gala. Over 600 advisors and financial services executives attend this premier event to celebrate those individuals that actively give back to their communities. I've gone to, I think the last three award galas, they had to cancel it for COVID and then they canceled it again last year, uh, 2021. Uh, it was normally in September, October timeframe, but hopefully we'll have it again this year. So there are five categories of awards that recognize, uh, recognize the distinct ways that advisors have made a difference through their work with a nonprofit. So the nominations deadline is April 1st. That's less than a month. Just go to investinothers.org and you can click on the nominate, uh, click here to nominate link and nominate an advisor. Um, if they win in one of the five categories, which are Catalyst Award, Community Service Award, Volunteer of the Year Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, and Emerging Impact Award, they can win, let's say, finalists in all categories receive $25,000 for their charity. The winners in the Catalyst Community Service, Next Gen, and Volunteer of the Year categories receive $50,000. The advisor who receives the Lifetime Achievement Award receives $75,000. That's a lot of money for a charity. It can really help 
I've uh, been lucky enough to be on the the nominating committee, the, no, the awards committee, the judging committee, for a bunch of these different awards. It's really hard. These advisors do some great work, both local communities in the U.S., in South America, in Central America, in Africa, in Asia, across the world, uh, and right here at home. All kinds of great uh, stories, great charities that help people and all through these great advisors. advisors. Let me see. Yeah, I find that really interesting, um, especially around the, the private funds and the other uh, the other uh, securities that are available. Because normally in held away accounts, you can see what is in the four hundred one k, which is easy. But you don't know what else is available, what other securities and what other funds the the uh, the clients have. So if you want to rebalance, you got to tell the client go to the account, go to the screen, print it out, so I can see what mutual funds you have available. Whereas with your system, it just shows it right away as part of the system so they can easily rebalance. That seems to be a huge benefit for advisors. Yeah, that's right. In the past, they were usually looking at you know current holdings and the balances of that holding, but they weren't looking at the entire picture. It's actually interesting. Jason Roberts, the ERISA attorney, was recently quoted in RAA Biz. Um, and what he said was, if you have a program like Pontera, you can actually lower the practical risk that most firms have in this space. What he was talking about is that um, clients are asking for help with these accounts and advisors are basically doing everything they can do to help, right? Which includes giving recommendations on statements or screen sharing uh, and trading together or logging in and trading for their clients that we discussed before. And all of these actions without the ability to have a clean and detailed um, information on the client's account without having supervision in place creates a tremendous amount of additional risk. So when you look at broker deal, broker dealers historically did not allow for advice on held away accounts because they didn't have a system in place to surveil the um, advisors and to actually collect the data. What you, what you learn and what Jason was explaining is that when you put a system in place, because advisors are doing this anyway, because they're trying to help their clients in every way they can, putting a system in place like Pantera, being able to actually supervise these activities and understand the totality of a client's account instead of guessing at what's available can actually help reduce compliance burden for them while offering a, you know, a positive benefit to their clients and to the firm overall. And broker dealers are really strict about this stuff. They don't like advisors doing anything that's going to raise compliance flags. So even if it's uh, you know, and, and broker deals also like revenue. So even though they're, they're, they see that they can be charging like 50 basis points for held away accounts advice, they won't do it if they think it's going to raise compliance flags. So having your software there as that, well, I like how you, you talked, you're a secure, you act as a secure intermediary or communications layer between the advisor and these, uh, and these accounts. Yeah, and that's on the advisor side, right? There's a whole separate component here of us sending the data downstream like we discussed, whether that's to the portfolio management systems um, or actually to some of the um, compliance supervision systems that some of the larger broker dealers use to, so they can actually supervise and monitor this. And, and what, what's a bit, a bit ironic is that to Jason's point, um, these broker dealers historically were creating more compliance liabilities for themselves because advisors were just doing it with, with, with an absence of a solution, they were just trying to figure out ways to, to help their clients with these accounts. 
and that process and, and that in lacking detail and lacking supervision created more compliance challenges for them. Um, <clears throat> you also mentioned something that I think is important to touch on from a fee perspective for advisors. Um, most advisors charge their standard management fee in managing these assets for their clients. And, and this is important for two reasons. One, the benefit is still there to the client, right? The 3% studies talk about value of an advisor. That's a net of fees and the average fee is around 1%. Um, and that's a big part of this is creating additional value for the end client. The second part of that is mitigating conflict. Um, and in a lot of instances, if, if you look historically, advisors had a, a significant incentive to recommend rollovers of these accounts um, so they can manage them and so they can fee on them properly. Now, when you think about an advisor charging a level fee across all of the accounts they're managing, it actually helps reduce or eliminate any rollover conflict that the advisor has. So when they're making the decisions now moving forward, where's my client better served? They can take themselves out of the equation and think about where's my client better off? Is it better off with their assets in their 401k where they get additional creditor protection or other benefits potentially for being in the plan? Or are we better off rolling them over to an IRA managing their assets there, which sometimes is the, is the right um, outcome? In either scenario, the advisor can take themselves out of it and say, I'm going to manage the accounts regardless. I'm going to do what's best for you. So let's just talk about that and let's not talk about anything else. And it helps eliminate that, which is uh, definitely a big benefit from the compliance side and for the advisor and the client. It removes a big conflict of interest. Yeah, it's where the DOL has been you know, pretty heavily focused. The SEC best interest rule, the DOL fiduciary rule, um, both have a lot of focus on this particular subset of advice. Um, and this is definitely a, a helpful me measure in eliminating that conflict. You know, one of the things you mentioned that I didn't realize was the proliferation of these collective investment trusts and other private funds in defined contribution plans, 401k plans, 403b plans that are not publicly available. What is, what is the deal there and how are you guys handling those types of funds? Yeah, it's, it's actually something um, that we talk to advisors about quite a bit. Oftentimes it's hard to understand that a fund with a similar name as a retail fund is not the same fund. Um, and in 401ks and 403bs, these have historically been uh, popular. And from recent research, actually, it looks like they're becoming increasingly popular. Oftentimes they're actually lower cost to the public version of the funds and they're negotiated by the, uh, by the plan to get discounted pricing. So actually oftentimes to the benefit of the um, client, sometimes they're actually more expensive. So because of the level of depth we go into when we analyze these accounts, we actually show the details for these collective investment trusts. Um, these funds do not have tickers or QSIPs. So when advisors are out there Googling names of funds to try to figure out what a client holds, oftentimes they're pulling up a different fund than what's actually in the plan. Again, creating compliance risk when they're making a recommendation. And our platform shows the actual fund in the plan so the advisor can make an informed decision. Um, but we wouldn't really have that capability if we didn't have the previous six years of experience analyzing 401ks and 403bs. So it all adds up, right? You get, you get all that experience and then it all comes out in the end in something that's good. Absolutely. Well, I want to congratulate you as well. You just made some, a couple of announcements uh, about new partners. So you're now integrating with Morningstar Office and Advise On. And you mentioned this of the list, Orion, Black Diamond, Capitec.
panoramics, GeoWealth. Can you talk a bit about um, these new integrations, why you did them, what's what's going to happen, how are the advisors going to use them? Give us a rundown. Yeah, we're very client-centric uh, as a company. So we want to build the features that our clients want and that they're asking for. The number one ask um, in terms of integrations is we want the data feeding into our portfolio management and reporting solutions. And um, the partners you mentioned are the ones that continue to get requested by our clients as to what they're using and what they care about. Um, so Morningstar Office and Black Diamond were two on the list that we had a long list of advisors asking us for. Um, and we're happy to be able to deliver that data through them so advisors can have you know, the entire ecosystem of data and the, the data they need to serve their clients at their fingertips. So those are two of the more recent ones that we've um, that we've built and and um, and have announced. You're covering a lot of the market, right? So it's almost a vast majority. There's only a couple you're missing of the of the major uh, RAA platforms. Yeah, and you know a lot of these are are um, working not only in the RAA space but in the broker dealer space as well. And uh, like I said, important for the advisors to have the solutions they they need. And I'll, I'll give credit to our partners as well, because they're listening to the market and they're realizing um, how important this is for the advisor's business, for the growth of the advisor's business and for their clients at the end of the day. So the partnership, of course, is, you know, it's always a two-way street. So credit given to our partners as well for listening to the advisors and the market and understanding the importance here. Dave Goldman, we are out of time, man. You did great. Can you please tell everyone where they can find out more information about Pontera? Yes, you can go to pontera.com, um, our new website, our new name and logo, formerly FIEX. And um, we have a career section, we have an information section, and we'd be happy to speak with you with any further questions. Craig, really great to be on the show and really appreciate your time. I appreciate it as well. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thank you, sir. Hey, it's me again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. One great reason to use Pontera is to avoid cybersecurity risk. If you're an advisor and you're logging into your client's 401k accounts using their credentials, you're going to be opening yourself up to a lot of risk. Very few, if any, RIAs are SOC 2 certified like Pontera is. So you don't know what kind of cybersecurity risks are lurking in your network and putting your client's 401k account uh, credentials out Onto network is a uh, is a problem. You shouldn't be doing it. You should be using Pontera. Uh, I was really interested in how they get the trades out to the 401k providers, just uh, for my technical knowledge. So I like how they act as a secure intermediary and provide that communications layer between uh, the RIA or broker dealer and the 401k providers, and how they block uh, advisors from any actions that might trigger custody, which would be a problem. The third one. Also interesting how they can support private funds like collective investment trusts in defined contribution plans, which is not publicly available data. And it's over 50% of the assets of these plans, which I never knew. And those are not publicly traded. So it's difficult for most normal um, portfolio management systems to handle trades for those CITs, whereas Pontera can do it. So you've made it to the end of another episode of the Wolf Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter.
Every month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management, goodness, news, analysis, links, information. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening again and talk to you all next time.